So I was making pocket notebooks before Field Notes was a twinkle in Draplin's eye. Hello and welcome to episode 174 of the Erasable Podcast. This is Johnny on hosting duties tonight, and I'm joined by Tim, my co-host, and Les, who you will all recognize from RSVP and like 10 episodes of this podcast. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, Johnny. Hello. Hey, Les. So hey, hey, hey. Andy cannot <laughs> join us tonight, but he had the idea that we should talk about bookbinding. So when he brought it up last time, there's no way in H.E double hockey sticks that I can talk about that myself. So we had to get less on board and mm-hmm. luckily less was willing to join us. So we're going to talk about book binding later and we have a lot of releases to talk about. So why don't we jump right into tools of the trade so we can talk about all of those branded items that you could buy. <laughs> you want to go first, Les? Sure. So I have been consuming a lot of TV lately. My partner and I have been binge watching Lucifer on Netflix, which is, I was never really interested in it when it was on the air. And then the last time I visited my mom, she was watching it and I got hooked. So hooked. So when we signed up for Netflix again, I started watching it and it's great. It's ridiculous and fun which is exactly what i need this time of year just ridiculous and i have been listening to a lot of different playlists on spotify i so i use my own spotify account at work and the only rule that work has is that things have to be clean so i have to play other people's playlists because if i (laughs) run out of so If I run out of songs on my Spotify playlist, my Spotify algorithm is completely broken because I do this thing to my partner where I drop a uh, song like WAP or My Neck, My Back into the middle of a playlist. (laughs) And then one of my coworkers and I made a not safe for work playlist. So when you sent me that, I had it in my head for two weeks. Oh my God. (laughs) It is literally the raunchiest, nastiest most hilarious playlist I've ever put together in my life. But ever since I've made that playlist, my Spotify will just drop. And the fact that I do this on a regular basis anyway, Spotify now when I run out of songs will randomly drop stuff like my neck, my back, WAP and (laughs) Peaches. And if for listeners who've never listened to Peaches, don't Google it while you're at work. It's probably a fireable offense. Yeah, so my Spotify will randomly play these raunchy songs in the middle of a playlist. And I'm, I know I can't, like, I can't have that happen. So I've been flying, finding these really long Spotify playlists, like at least four hours. Because I know that will run the length of one of my groups. <laughs> right now, I've had the kids listening to the video game soundtrack playlist, which is actually kind of fun because a lot of the kids play video games and they'll be like, wait, which game is that from? And then, oh yeah, I like that game. I would, Thankfully, none of them recognize the God of War soundtrack. But <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I've been listening to a lot of different Spotify playlists that I have not made because mine are broken. That's a good one. I listen to that one in my class too. The, the video game soundtrack? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we're writing, like I'll put something. I forget what yeah. the name of it is, but I think it's the official one. But yeah, like video game yeah. soundtracks and they, they dig it. yeah. I use it. So at the beginning of some of my groups, I have sketchbook time. So they have 15 minutes where their sketchbook 
where they sketch, they draw, they doodle quietly while they eat a snack to kind of ease them into being artists for the afternoon. And it works really well. And that video game soundtrack, it's not exactly relaxing, but it's great for like Mm -hmm. sketch time. And the stuff that we find relaxing is often not what they find relaxing, (laughs) (laughs) which is Um, so interesting. It's like I, I had a kid who like to relax would listen to what I would call like Mario Brothers soundtrack music. And like yeah. he would play it, and I'd just be like, "What in the world? Like, how can that possibly be relaxing? <laughs> like, is constantly yeah. moving? Like, that's incredible." But I'm glad it works for you, so do it. I had a kid introduce me to Nightcore, which is terrible. It was the most <laughs> like jarring, aggravating music I've li- ever listened to. So <laughs> Nightcore is designed for the ADHD brain. Uh, if, if yeah it's great for n- people who are have adhd or other neurological things going on it helps them focus but for everyone else in the group was like what is this <laughs> they take like regular music and they increase the speed uh, so there was like i finally was like I, I just can't take it because there was one song that sounded like chipmunks <laughs> and, and it was just like Yo, kid, I this that that sounds like chipmunks enough. We, we're like, let's listen to some metal or something, anything but the chipmunks. Like, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I think even the other kids who weren't into like metal or anything else were like, oh, thank goodness. But yeah, it's just like I, I'm getting to know a lot of different music too. The other thing that I like to play for the kids is Vitamin String Quartet, mm. like the hits for a particular year. Mm-hmm. And watch to see who recognizes what songs. So like the 2021 had Montero on it, which was an interesting thing. Cause like I have older kids who are there in there as an assistant. They're like, that's Montero. I'm like, no lyrics. It's cool. But other than that, I am consuming a lot of espresso. I managed to score a vintage espresso machine that needed a little maintenance. So I maintained it and now it's pumping out. Lots and lots of sweet espresso. So I've been drinking lots of espresso. Oh, jealous. I'm coming over. Hey, you're welcome. I'll make you some espresso and even foam some milk because I've been able to foam milk decently with this machine. Oh, man, that's awesome. need one of those. Everyone needs a good espresso machine at home. I Not everyone, if you like espresso. You should have one at home. It saves me money because I'm not buying espresso-based drinks out. Um... But in terms of what I'm writing with and on, I have been writing on the most bougie three by five cards I've ever used in my life. I So when I started my new job, I helped clean out the print shop and bring it back to life. I found stacks and stacks of old prints, and some of them were really long and narrow, which you can't do a lot with, but I realized they were five inches high. So I just chopped them into three inch chunks. And the paper is it's printmaking paper it's 100 percent cotton some of it was handmade just like amazing 140 pound stock paper that i cut into three by five cards so one side has printing on it the other side is blank and they're just amazing so i whip out these cards and five of them looks like 20 regular three by five cards <laughs> they're so thick and i can just write on them really casually and it's just like really just it's, it feels so lush and like wrong that I'm making notes on these three by five cards because they're such nice paper. I also have a handmade pocket notebook that I'm using 
And I also made a sketchbook out of some old that didn't make the cut. So I'm using the back side of those and also the side that had art on them. I kind of run some gesso over it and then use that. And I have one that I've been using for like my meetings, my meeting notes. The one downside to my new job, and sorry, Ale, if you're listening to this, is we have so many meetings. We have meetings on meetings. And the meetings are great. They're all useful meetings, but a lot of meetings. And then I'm writing with a Statler Norica in blue, probably from around 2014, 2015, when I when everyone was buying them, I ordered two packages <laughs> of the blue Noricas off mm-hmm. of Amazon. And they're super nice. But I also went through my entire pencil collection. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to use all of these. So I took a giant and I, when I say giant box, a giant box into work is like, okay, I'm just donating these and we're going to use them. And I've been chewing through pencils there like no one's business. I also have been using a variety of cheapo fountain pens that I got off eBay. That's it. That's what I'm writing with and on. Did you get the Jin Hao 86 yet? Nope, but I'm going to open up eBay right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... They did that. The Jinhao 85 is a copy of the gold version of the new 51, and this is a copy of the steel one, but they make colors that Parker doesn't make, like white. Oh. So did you say 56? 86, sorry. 86. Have you gotten yours, Johnny? I did, but it was cracked because it wasn't packed well, so I have to get it replaced. But it's pretty. Okay. Oh, I, I mean, it still makes me nervous, but yeah. if I hold it in one hand and hold the 51 in the other hand and close my eyes, I wouldn't think they would look anything like, but <laughs> it was like six bucks. Yeah. All right. I was kind of, I, I was literally was... waiting for you to get yours so I could try it out. But... Oh, it has the same nib as all of their other um, 51 knockoffs, which is mm. like pretty smooth pretty fine nailish it's <laughs> it does what you want you want to jump in for your tools of the trade yeah sure uh i got a few things i've been really excited about first thing that i actually finished today is that malcolm gladwell released i almost said podcast and it'll understand you'll understand why soon he's he started to release audiobooks so basically like he's he's still writing and he's still coming out with books but he's figured out that there's this like middle ground between writing books and creating podcasts, which he's very good at as well. Like revisionist history is great. Broken record is great. And so he, his newest just straight to audiobook production is called miracle and wonder. And I just finished listening to it today and loved literally every second of it. It is about Paul Simon. And so he interviewed Paul Simon, who is, you know, one of my top two kind of like musician songwriters ever. And he, he interviewed him, I think 10 times for these four hour sessions. And he interviewed him a bunch. Then he curated or whatever you want to call it, produced this audiobook called miracle and wonder, which is about him, which it's not just like a straight biography. Cause I've read the like most recent authorized biography and it was very good. This is more about his songwriting and he goes and it's like the chapters are split up by songs. And he also has interviews with people who are talking about songs of his that they appreciate. And it's excellent. So I, I absolutely loved it. I can't recommend it enough. 
It's available on Audible. It's basically like a six-hour podcast episode. Oh, wow. I'm surprised uh, we haven't done one of those yet. Is how, is how it listens. It's just like interviews with Simon. So you're hearing Simon's voice. You're hearing the interviewers. You're hearing like interviews with other people. You're hearing stuff that Malcolm Gladwell or his co-host have just written. And they're just reading and performing on audio. So it's a pretty cool format. And I'd like to hear more of it. It's kind of like their version of how Audible is now doing those like Audible originals, which are shorter and just straight to audio. But highly recommend. And cool. This is sort of like a, a side consuming thing, <laughs> but connected to that is I've discovered for the first time, I've never spent much time with the album You're the One by Paul Simon, which so much Paul Simon, but that album for some reason just slipped between the cracks and I haven't spent much time with it and it is incredible. So I'm enjoying that quite a bit. I've also been reading over the last 48 hours, <laughs> a book called Call Us What We Carry, which is by Amanda Gorman, who's was the incredible young poet who read at Joe Biden's inauguration. And I ordered her upcoming book on January 21st <laughs> of 2020, <laughs> like the day after the inauguration. It was like, like available for pre-order and I ordered it and it showed up yesterday. And so I've been reading that and she is such an incredibly talented woman the bit to, to take this book to school, to read to my students and be like, you need to hear mm. what she has to say. She also has a children's book called Change Sings, which I read to my daughter tonight and is incredibly beautiful. So I'm just obsessed. I think she is just a genius. I love this young woman and I hope she does end up running for president someday because somebody with a brain like that deserves a, a platform. So. I'm, but Call Us What We Carry is her first collection of poems, which is, is a big, beefy collection of poems with all kinds of crazy form poems. And she uses a lot of, or not a lot, but she uses several artifact texts of 20th century, like veteran diaries and things that she incorporates into her poetry. She's, she's amazing. So yeah, Call Us What We Carry by Amanda Gorman, anything by Amanda Gorman. And then I've been watching along with a healthy share of people on this planet, the Get Back documentary about the Beatles on uh, Disney Plus, which uh, have either of you watched any of that? Man, I never heard of it. I'm sorry. Okay. No. That, <laughs> that is totally okay. No, it is. So Peter Jackson of... Lord of the Rings fame and Hobbit shame <laughs> for some of those ridiculous scenes in the Hobbit. But so Peter Jackson was given access to 60 hours of audio and video recordings from the recording of the let it be sessions for the Beatles. Mm. And the documentary that originally came out about the let it be sessions was so dark and negative. And so he basically got access to this to redo it to give everybody a new view on what was going on during Let It Be. And he produced, he, he was able to whittle down 60 hours to seven. <laughs> and so there are three parts on Disney Plus and it's long, but it is just incredible. If you're a Beatle, it is definitely made for Beatles super fans because it's a, you are a, you're a fly on the wall, which is what we all dream of. Like we are, you just get to be a fly on the wall for the recording of the Let It Be sessions. And Stephen Hyden, who's a, a rock critic I really love, he had a tweet after it came out where he said that if he could sum up every scene and get back, it would be this. And it was the producer 
And so it had a quote from every, everybody in the band. And it said the producer's name who I forgot, whatever. He seemed kind of like a tool. So I forgot, but he was saying, you guys should record your comeback concert in Libya. Everything he said was about this. Like he wanted to take them to Libya. And then George Harrison, his quote was, you're idiots. Everyone here, they're, you're all idiots. And, and then it was <laughs> Ringo Starr. I love you all. I love everybody. And then the next one was John Lennon. It just said in brackets, stoned. And then for Paul, Paul McCartney was like quietly writing a beautiful song in the back corner of the studio. And that's like the perfect summary of it. Cause it's, he's just, you get to see Paul McCartney like accidentally write, get back or act or like stumble into let it be. It's, you are ridiculous. It's amazing. So I can't recommend enough. You can watch it on Disney plus. And then the last thing is just, I've been listening to my Spotify wrapped uh, playlist a whole lot, which has been a whole lot of fun. So I Charlotte like, just I got like her first tradition. one. Her first wrapped. Yeah, and she's nice. so she's so upset that it missed a twelfth of the year. Like, why is it coming out now? It was a whole other month. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're a That's kid, funny. so you would think a month is actually a period of time, and not just like <laughs> what a month went by. Yeah, mm. that's funny. But yeah, it's a fun tradition. I'm getting used to it. I'm afraid of mine. It might be kind of dark and obscene. Yeah, mine's been obscene. <laughs> so I have the playlist that you were talking about on mine. I don't know. I added it to follow and it's affected my algorithms. So <laughs> it's definitely made my Spotify much more interesting. <laughs> I, I don't, I I have a Spotify account that's just for me and the rest of my family has a Amazon like unlimited account to use together. Cause I'm like, no, I'm not going to end up with, friggin' baby shark and whatever, <laughs> like showing up in my algorithm. I was like, this is sacred. Today we were like having trouble with our Alexa and I played music and I was like, okay, play whatever I wanted to play on Spotify. And Henry was like, oh, you can say on Spotify. And I was like, no, <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> you do not say on Spotify. That is my, that is daddy's account. You do not play that. <laughs> that only works on voice. My yeah, voice. my voice is it. We and have a Spotify ahead. family, so they all have their own you know, oh, little you algorithms to play with. We have a Spotify account for work and I was locked out of it in one of the studios and I kept going to play and someone was using it at home and I kept booting them off. Then they'd boot me off. I boot them off. They boot me <laughs> off. And we went back and forth and the kids were like, like just enwrapped watching me like go, nope, <laughs> I'm still at work. I get to use this account at work. Nope. They th it was high school students. They thought it was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. yeah. And as far as what I'm writing with, I am writing with a Tennessee round from Musgrave. Nice. And I am using the beautiful new Musgrave Pencil Company standard writing notebook. You are on uh, brand. Which mm. is so good. We'll get to that. But I love it. How about you, Johnny? So I've been watching too much TV too. I binged um, the first season of The Mandalorian in like two or three nights because they're not that long. It's 10 minutes of credits at the end. You watch Star Wars stuff? So this is a longer story, but uh, Henry is really into Star Wars now. And it reminded me of how into Star Wars I was when I was a kid. Mandalorian is like, like the best thing Star Wars has done in so long. So it's a good place I to go. I love Pedro Pascal already. 
Yeah. So he's like awesome. when I saw it was him, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching this show. <laughs> and yeah. it's so violent. Like, geez. <laughs> Early I'm, on it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted to see it. I'm like, I don't know. I heard this is pretty violent. You should let me watch it first. Plus, like, I'll binge it at night when nobody's bothering me. <laughs> and, uh, oh boy. But, good. yeah, I'm enjoying the heck out of that. And so I have a little ritual. I drop the kids off at school and then I pop in my Bluetooth headphones, to listen to Radio Headspace, which is a daily podcast from Headspace that's just a couple minutes long. And it's not like a meditation, it's more just like a, hey, here's something to think about today. So mm. I I don't think it was exclusively on Spotify. I think you can just listen to it anywhere now, but it's cool. They, they change the voices out pretty regularly, which is good. This week they have the original Andy Puttycomb on with some sort of like flashback, but he's really good. And he's shorter than everybody else because he's confident he knows what he's doing. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he edits a lot. And I just finished a book finally called The Midnight Library that was a big hit and I never read it. And I don't know if I liked it. Did you guys read this? It's on my list, but I haven't read it yet. So I don't want to give any spoilers. Like the premise of it is that the Midnight Library exists between when you're alive and dead. And in it is a book that's every version of a life you could have if you made different choices. So when you think of this premise, you think, oh, this is going to be like a Darren Aronofsky level mind F word in here somewhere. And there wasn't, so I can't figure out if that made it good or not. And the main character majored in philosophy and misquoted Thoreau early in the book. So I was like, oh, maybe this means that the main character is full of crap. But no, the author doesn't know how Google works or something. (laughs) It's that quotation that people put in greeting cards that Thoreau never said. And anyone who's ever read Walden, who... Knows he didn't say Ugh, okay, but uh, it was it was a good story, and it's about a library, so that's always a plus. Yeah, I'm like very lazy about reading because I'm spending all my evenings bookbinding because okay. that's relaxing. But it is, it relaxing. is relaxing. It can, it can be. Sometimes I go a little ballistic. I'm like, I'm going to bind three books tonight, and then at ten o'clock, Ooh. I'm like, why did I do that? My back hurts. Yeah, actually, my back just always hurts now. Yay! I'm going to make it quick. I'm writing with my. F-wording, Waterman, Corinne, Fountain Pen, and Marine Amber that I got for free with Amazon points, Ooh. which makes me so happy because I would never spend that much money on a pen that I didn't see. But it's that one with the in, inlaid gold nib that's really smooth, but it's like a little hose that squirts ink everywhere. It's awesome. Yeah. Want to jump into fresh points? Good. Want to go first, Les? Sure. So I have not been into stationary new things recently. I'm kind of eh on a bunch of the stuff that's come out. So I decided rather than rail on stuff, I'm going to talk about the stuff that I'm actually <laughs> using. So my new job, I'm I'm teaching art with a art therapy bent to it. So I have been using a lot of printmaking supplies and I picked up the this red rubber carving block by a company called InnovArt, which is a terrible name. I hate the company name, but 
their carving block is actually really nice and it's really nice and thick. So technically you can carve both sides, though I don't. But what's nice about it is that it's a good height. And if you do things right, you can actually put it through the letterpress machines. So the machine will ink it and then print it, which is amazing. So I've been using that. And I've also been using in my home shop, Speedball Super Graphic Black Printmaking Ink. It's for relief printing. So all of the blocks that I'm printing, I ink it up with that by hand, print by hand. It puts this thick, deep black layer of ink on everything that is just the I'm gonna say it's delicious but I <laughs> don't eat it because it's not great for you but it's just such a nice layer of black ink it does take forever to dry because my basement's humid but just like super nice stuff and those are my the new things in my life and I think Tim you're up next all right in honor of my teenagers I work with I will say Innovart <laughs> made me think and a fart. So yeah. <laughs> I will so just get I'll, that out of the way. Right, I'll share this with you. I, when I was explaining <laughs> something um, to the kids, I, me I meant to say font and I slipped and I said fart. And I will tell you every <laughs> single middle schooler in the room went heat. Um, I was like, yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah I did that. <laughs> that is not surprising. I will start by talking about the notebook I've been using, which I mentioned earlier, which is the Musgrave standard writing notebook that Musgrave sent us a copy of. And I have been absolutely loving this notebook. It is made by Iron Curtain Press, which is based out of Los Angeles, I believe. And they made this notebook. It's a very cool spiral bound notebook that is in what they call lemon drop yellow, which is mm. anything lemon related just makes me happy. <laughs> it's a very nice size. It comes in. I've got to look up the dimension. The dimensions are like seven by, oh, here it is seven by eight and a half. And it has, it, it kind of scratches that itch of the notebook that I have talked about on here. And I think on indelible as well, the kind of vintage spiral notebook it's kind of the elevated version of that but it has a, a very strong vintage feel to it and as far as like the cover design cover says musgrave pencil company standard writing notebook the oldest and largest pencil manufacturer in the south which i think is fantastic oh that is cool i didn't notice that yeah. part yeah and on the inside cover it says may we present the man behind the harvest line and there is a what do you call this kind of Printing. I should know this by now, 174 episodes in, but it's like a <laughs> embossed half image, halftone half image there. Yeah. Yeah. I know what that is of J.R. Musgrave, <laughs> Musgrave from an early marketing picture of him. And one thing I love about the notebook is that every page is perforated. So it makes, I've been using it mostly for my songwriting notebook along with just kind of odds and ends stuff. But every, every, everything's per perforated, so if you can tear it, it's great. And also, it is the first notebook I've ever had that is a dot grid notebook that also has a header, like a blank header space at the top, mm. which is pretty cool. I like that. I think that was a good touch and a good choice by the folks over at Musgrave. So that blue that they used for the dots is possibly like the perfect blue to put in the interior of a notebook. Yeah, totally. I freaking love it. It's very satisfying, calming, 
sweet kind of blue. It's and I've, I've talked about my animosity towards. I, see, I almost called it dork grid just because I can't <laughs> help. I just can't help it. But like uh, towards dot grid, but that blue helps a lot, and it makes it kind of trick my brain into thinking it's invisible and it gives me some mm. sort of guiding lines but doesn't distract me i love it so i think this notebook is a 10 out of 10 i love it so much damn it add to cart <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they if i can piggyback on your fresh point they have Do that it. really damn sweet new pencil case the wax one the wax canvas one mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. For a couple bucks more than the notebook and the case, you can get the notebook, the case, and the tube full of the variety pack. Yeah, totally worth it. Oh, they're like dropping such cool new stuff like yeah. all the time. And they have that new sharpener out. Like, yeah. yeah, I saw that today. Ooh. Yeah, that looks fantastic. I don't I have anything in my life. Like, yeah, yeah, they are living up to, we. I think, flashback several years when we were sort of making fun of some of these pencil companies and how outdated their websites were and Musgrave has just sprinted ahead of. Yeah. Yeah. And they have gotten, there's nothing gimmicky. They have that new carpenter pencil, which no offense to the sidekick, which is gorgeous is probably the prettiest carpenter pencil anyone makes currently on earth. Yeah. They do something smart too on their sharpener page. They actually show the point it produces. That is always such a nitpicky thing that I have, but like a lot Mm -hmm. of sharpeners, when you want to buy them, the seller does not show the point it produces. Show me the point. I want to know the point. And I like that they're right off the bat, like, guess what? Replaceable blades. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Blackwing made us wait four months or something for for replacement blades. Um, Yeah. This I've had some stuff from this company and they were really nice. Mm -hmm. They made some that were like that. Um, CW had that were shaped like animals. So is the Henry N- has the NJK? Lion. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like it came from the dollar store in a pack of sharpeners, but it writes, it works so great. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm going to steal that from him. He doesn't use yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just sneak into his room. We'll cover you for a second. Go sneak into, sneak into his room, steal the sharpener. <laughs> or else you'll wake up, want to cuddle. <laughs> and that's my evening. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, that sharpener looks awesome. That's NJK Musgrave collaboration double blade pencil sharpener. I think that is, it looks very cool. So I didn't, and I honestly had never come across an NJK sharpener, or at least that I know of. Maybe I have some in my stash that I don't know about now, but it's a company that's been around since 1933, making sharpeners for stationery and cosmetics. Oh gosh, that reminds me. I was driving through downtown Johnson city, the metropolis that I live in (laughs) over here. And there was a sign for a stationery shop. What? And it was, it said, and I don't remember the name. Sorry, bad podcaster. Don't remember the name, but it was like something stationary. I was like, holy crap. And then I pulled around to the side. I saw the name again, something stationary. And next to it, a giant picture of Hello Kitty. Um, so I am so confused as to what I'm getting into because it shares a building with a pawn shop. So I'm like, pawn shop, stationary shop, Hello Kitty. Johnson City. Don't know what I'm getting into here. So I will report back on that, but I'm very excited. I'm hoping that it's something cool. Oh. I think it's, yeah. We'll see what's going <laughs> to happen. Polly's Stationery Shop? Yes. Yeah. What do you find out? I haven't even Googled it yet. Is it- I just Googled it. They're, they open it went at nine o'clock tomorrow. So get on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take my, I'm going to, I'm going to take my students on the, we're going on a field trip tomorrow. I'm going to take them 
to Polly's and see you what should. they. That could be uh, a lesson. Like, yeah. hey, kids, here's five bucks. Yeah. Come out of here with a year's worth of writing equipment. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going through the stationary, my butt. This is not stationary. Okay, anyways, I'm going to move on. <laughs> so, like, Funko Pop characters. This is stationary, whatever. Okay. The other thing I was going to bring up was the new Blackwing pencils. So we've got some new Blackwing volumes. Blackwing volume 93 just came out, which is a tribute to Karita Kent, who is an artist and activist, I guess you'd call her, who created this piece of art on, as far as if I'm remembering this correctly, was on the side of Highway, was it Highway 93? Is that what it's called? Or uh, uh, just generally around here is just 93 and interstate. usually you're cursing that you have to be on it. Yeah. It's down by yeah. Dorchester. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I South used to eight. go by the, I went by it every day when I lived in Boston because I, well, I lived in Quincy. So on my way up to town, we passed it constantly and I didn't make the connection until I read the bottom of the box. Yeah. But I, that made me very happy. Yeah. It's a, a, a it's a, a very cool concept. It is also, and and I'm not like disclosure wise, I'm not a, a subscriber right now. I just kind of buy as I want them. And I think it was who was the first? Was it Unexposed? Was that the first Field Notes edition that was kind of the like middle finger to the collectors? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel yeah. like this is Blackwing's first middle finger to the collectors because six different pencils, you get two of each, right? So like you can't just buy a couple singles to like have the collection. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Like you have to have the whole set pretty much, or at least half a dozen to have everything that they have. So I kind of appreciate that. If it is indeed an accidental gesture towards, we're not designing these so that you can collect them. We're designing these because this is what it needs to be based on the source material or whatever. So that's interesting to me. Like, I think they could have picked some different art. Yeah, what they picked was iconic, the Boston gas tank. And now that I'm looking at a picture of it, Johnny and I were pre-gaming and talking about the Black Wings. Now that I see it, yes, I know it. But, like, she did so many other interesting things. Well, and the weird thing is they talked for a long time about cool stuff she did. And then they're like, oh, yeah, this looks like an oil tank that's in... A place in Boston that when they put it there was not where you wanted to live if you were yeah. not from Boston. Although it's all pretty gentrified down there now. But yeah, so the white aesthetic, like I liked, mm -hmm. but then mine came and they all have a gap between the white of the pencil and the white of the ferrule. Every Blurk. single one of them. I'm like, I guess I have to unglue them and install them myself. That's not unexpected. Unfortunately, that's so. kind of infuriating, but oh, whatever. Like, yeah, the, I mean, this, this is the first Blackwing with a white ferrule, which is something, right? Mm. Yeah, uh, not really. <laughs> that's that's what I said when the volume one came out. I was like, it's the first round Blackwing. It was also the last round Blackwing, I, which should... is kind of crazy that they haven't done I, another round one. I don't know. I wish they would go back to interesting finishes like that one and the Ken pencil mm -hmm. instead of a roll on every time because it looks like I got it at Target but it was 30 bucks yeah that freaking Ken Ken pencil though I don't even know how to hold that 
Oh, I love that thing. I feel like I'm holding it with, I need to hold it with both hands. Like this doesn't make any (laughs) sense to me. Yeah, I I can't stand it. They've had a couple of pencils with interesting finishes, like the the non-photo blue one that was half blue and half natural. That was freaking cool, Mm -hmm. but uh, been a little, not my taste. Yeah. Yeah. I would, if this makes no sense to say it this way, but this Blackwing 93, when I look at the set of the six different colors, if they were all the purple color, I would buy it immediately. I think that <laughs> one looks the best. For whatever reason, I'm just like kind of indifferent about it. I probably won't be picking up a, a dozen of them just because I am personally not in like the collector mode. I've officially hit that point where I'm missing enough of the additions that I don't care anymore. Like oh, yeah, not, same. Big t- I'm not stressed out about getting everything. So with this one, it shows up like, cool. I'm probably going to wait. Unless I go to Asheville and go into a bookstore that has them, and maybe I can pick up a couple or whatever. See, Rosie likes rainbows, so I'm covered. Rosie likes otherwise, rainbows. I'd feel wasteful, but uh, she's always happy to take something that's brightly colored. Rosie, you like rainbows? Yes. Here you go. <laughs> but also, at the risk of sounding, I don't know, some like overwoke bro dude, if I were going to do rainbow black wings, I would have waited to do pride black wings because... It's low-hanging fruit, and if they had lacquered them, they would have been so freaking awesome. Mm. And, like, pretty, like the, the colored pencils. They could have even just done the same damn colors and knocked out black and white. That would have been cool. So if you do that, that black would wing, be That would be interesting yeah. if they did a, a volumes that was just a 12-pack a of colored pencils. That, like that would idea. be the ultimate FU to collectors. Yeah. yeah. And it would be just a cool idea too, because like, and it would be a boon to them because I think their like Blackwing or Palomino brand colored pencils are pretty underrepresented. Like people don't seem to pick up on those that much. That if they threw them into a Blackwing, like people would maybe catch on and be like, "Oh, another option for colored pencils," as opposed to Prismacolor or whatever the. Yeah, and plus they're so expensive that. I, I don't think you're going to get them for a kid, but if you're serious, they only make 12 colors. Mm. But, I mean, they're nice. I like mine. Wherever the they are. The only problem that I have with them is that they're not light fast. <gasps> I wouldn't even notice that. Yeah, I well, so I am art supply nerdy enough that I do light fastness t- testing with almost all of my colored pencils, inks, and whatnot if I'm going to use it for like finished artwork. So I did have a pack of them at one point, and I tested them, and some of the colors were not light fast. Ooh. But I don't know if that's mm. still the case. That sounds like a subject for a podcast episode we yes. should talk about <laughs> i didn't even know there was such thing as light fast colored pencils a lot of the professional colored pencils like prismacolor and of course i'm blanking on the other names the ones that i actually like uh, will have light fast colors in them as well as some fugitive colors. i like that they call them fugitive yeah i i do too like it's kind of fun this is some badass red fugitive it's gonna fade run away okay. that's so that's all i've got so johnny why don't you Awesome. So, next new thing, Field Notes Ignition. I kind of love these. (laughs) How do you guys feel? I guess I should say what they look like. They're, what, white, gray, and black, and they're two 26-month planners and a checklist book, but there's a, like, drop of yellow on everything. So, if you're a subscriber, you got a yellow pen, a yellow calendar, and some book darts that are on a yellow card. 
So like it's the bonanza of subscriber extras and the yellow is sweet. Ooh, I'm just looking at the Field Notes page. I haven't bought Field Notes since a Carhartt collaboration came out. Those are cool. But I'm a sucker for any black and yellow or black and orange, like safety colors. Yeah. And they have covers, which is cool. What, what does that mean? Oh, it's the stuff they put in the um, expedition books. The oh, plastic. Okay. Gotcha. So I it did feel weird. I wanted it to have the Yupo paper inside, but the pen is like when I opened my pack, the pen fell out. I'm like, oh my God, it's so pretty. And yeah, the little card, they didn't, I don't think they mentioned this, but it's not paper. It's like a really thin plastic. This is nothing I would expect, but I really like them. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Blackwing has not been making things that are my cup of tea lately. Field Notes has been on a roll. So yeah. it'll switch over at some point. Did their prices go up again? Yep. Okay. They, they mentioned that the cost of paper and scarcity and stuff was going to yeah. make them go up. And fifteen dollars for a three pack. That's five dollars per notebook. Yeah, that's hitting like a a little steep. That's that's hitting a dangerous level. (laughs) Like yeah, for just for just like the average user kind of thing. It's not. I understand, and they put ten times more work into it than most. But that's a dangerous like price point to be like five bucks for a pocket notebook to that some people fill up in a matter of a week. Mm -hmm. And what one thing I do appreciate they do is. Any of the old ones they have in stock that were twelve ninety five are still twelve ninety five. Yeah. So they didn't raise those, and the original crafts are are a little cheaper too. But eleven, you're right? Like something fifteen or... bucks is getting up there. That's getting to. I also have to wonder, like, how many people like they pay the fifteen dollars and are going to be disappointed that they're not getting all the extras. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been in the field nuts group for a long time, but there is sometimes a lot of hurt feelings in there when the extras were things that you could buy. Yeah. But you I mean you got them for free. You didn't have to buy them. Yeah, fifteen dollars <laughs> for this one. So just knowing so this has been an interesting education for me as I start to open up a print shop. Paper is so darn expensive and it is really hard to get right now. But if you are working with a company that does massive printings and they're doing huge printings now right like how many of these books are they're printing at a time i don't even know yeah but so they're like doing like hundreds of thousands of these at a time but yupo is also super expensive i had to buy some i didn't have to buy some i chose to buy some <laughs> for one of my groups i'm not going to explain the project it was a super cool project yupo is a really cool sheet plastic but it's so expensive even if you're buying it in like small packages It's just really expensive. So I'm not surprised that it went up for this one and the fact that paper is really hard. But I agree, like $15, that's just seems almost ridiculous. I'm not going to pay five bucks a notebook. Oh, okay. I don't know if this is a market price, but on Amazon, Yupo is a dollar and up a sheet. What size sheet? Like letter and legal size. Nine by 12. That's bonkers. Yeah, I spent, I bought 9 by 12 pads, and it was over a dollar a sheet. Wow. Pads are really nice, though. I will say that. And it does come in different thicknesses. And for my students, I did get them a slightly thicker stock. So it was nicer than just your run-of-the-mill. So Yupo comes in a bunch of different thicknesses. But 
super expensive. Whoa. That would be fun to play with a huge sheet of that, though. Yeah. I have a friend who, this is getting a little off topic. I have a friend who does four by eight foot paintings, watercolor paintings on Yupo. Ooh. So she plays around cool. with water tension and how like the viscosity of the paint will pull it up into a bubble and then as it dries what it does. But they're beautiful. I don't even think she's selling them anymore. But anyway, oh, it's a lot of fun to play with. Cool. So my only other fresh point is to plug my own zines because <laughs> I have new zines out, believe it or not. Good. And in two weeks, I'll have more new zines out. <laughs> But my next one is about libraries, and the cover was done by a certain Brian Bedell who works for a certain company in Chicago and now has his own letterpress company. He offered to do them, and the paper shortage meant the color I wanted was out of stock, so I went with gray. Instead of there was this linen black or linen finish black that would have been redonk. But yeah, they're on the way. So yeah, that'll be cool. And then we're taking submissions for anything you want to write about libraries in your life we have a, a couple but we have room plus it's mine i'll just make it bigger mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's it do you want to talk about the main topic mr tim and now we like trade off and yeah that sounds boss. good one thing you're i'm gonna throw in there this is just this is kind of a throwback to like what we were talking about a second ago but with field notes i was just looking on their website the county fair edition is now $15 a pack. Uh, you were What you said about them sticking to the former price is right, except for the county fair, which uh, and pitch black. Pitch black is also now $15. What? That, no. But like, as far as the, like the 50 edition, oh, national parks is 15 too. Blah, blah. Ugh, so, frustrating. Yeah. Talking about like the yeah. paper that's gone out of stock, the not national parks, the county fair edition mm -hmm. uses that linen finish paper. So mm -hmm. anyway, just going to throw that out there. Not that mm -hmm. I really want to defend their silly price choices, but here we are. And yeah, I have I heard that even companies like them are having trouble getting stuff. I've been like stockpiling paper. I'm a jerk. I'm like part of the shortage. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> but, yeah uh, I'm sure you have three reams of paper. <laughs> wait, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> ten, eleven, twelve behind me. They're not all full, though. Is all this right. the time where I should brag that I went dumpster diving and snagged 22 reams of sweet cardstock? <laughs> yeah, it's in my basement I... in totes. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> That's amazing. And I think I had another five reams of really nice cotton resume style paper. Oh. <sighs> So I when I finally, <laughs> we'll talk about it in, in the actual episode, but yeah, that was some epic dumpster diving. <laughs> I respect I know that. a guy. All right. We will get there. <laughs> we'll get to dumpster diving. That is question number four on the list is, <laughs> have you ever dived into dumpsters? <laughs> you ever dug through trash to find good paper for book binding? But so yeah, those of you listening have probably noticed that one certain pencil guy who's on our uh, podcast has been hawking his wares on Instagram lately. Johnny, you've been spending a lot of time making uh, really beautiful notebooks and trying out some bookbinding skills over the last several months. And Les has been making books for years. So tonight we thought we could start by 
with a sort of interview where I'll, I will ask you two about your craft of bookbinding. So to start out, and we'll start with Les. So when you talk about bookbinding, what do you mean by that? Is this repairing old books, making field note style pocket notebooks, handmade, or sort of like handmade, handsome, leather-bound big books. I don't know. What do you define as bookbinding? And then you can pass it to Johnny when you finish. Sure. So I make an assortment of different styles of books. So in the days before the internet was real big, most artists and bookbinders went to craft fairs. And so when you do craft fairs, you have a range of goods that range in prices. So one of my sort of bread and butter type things was pocket notebooks. So I was making pocket notebooks before field notes was a twinkle and Draplin's eye. So I was making, and I did, I specialized in, in notebooks with really nice interior paper. And then the exterior was made out of old advertising posters. So you'd go into a grocery store and you would see those like posters that were hanging up in the middle of the aisles. I used to gather those and then chop them up and make book covers. They make great book covers and they can't be recycled because they've got a plastic coating on them. So that's what I was doing that. I also made notebooks that looked like matchbooks, which are really super handy. I should make more of those. Note to self. But I also made these massive leather bound journals. They're just blank inside. And then the, the spine was really ornate. So all of the stitching was visible. I also made hardcover books with visible spine so you could see all of the stitching. And I also made moleskin style. Like that was, that I did a lot of those. And I did the moleskin style on a leather spine where you could see all the stitching. And then I did like what you traditionally think of as a moleskin with that sort of lay flat binding. It's called a Smythe stitch or a butterfly stitch. And that it really just lets the pocket notebook lay flat when you're writing in it. So I did a lot of those. And as for repairing old books, I've tried it. It's nasty, dirty. Like you got to scrape off the stuff on the spine there. I'm not good at it. I prefer leaving that to the people who enjoy doing it rather than doing it myself. But so sort of a range of things. What about you, Johnny? So I don't know a lot about repairing old books, but I would like to learn because sometimes my kids will bring home like one of those DK books that's Star Wars from the school library and I can't send it back to school in the condition it's in. Get your PVA glue out and fix it a little bit. Mm. But usually I just make journals like I would want to do somewhere in Moleskine's old marketing thing. They talked about the book that's not written, which sounds stupid, but I like to think of, oh, a book that it's here. It's a book. So you put words in it and now it's more of a book. So yeah, like blank books. I've always thought about that in terms of like when you have those blank books that the meaning is given to them when you fill them up. They're kind mm -hmm. of, to me, not worthless. They're only worth the what they're bound with, what the paper is worth until you add to them when you write in them. And that's when they become valuable. Yeah. And even in handmade books, they usually cost a little more than if you went to mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble. But I think some of the value you put in there while you're making it, like, yeah. hey, I'm wishing you well while I'm doing this. I'm wishing you a life free of typos and leaky pens. <laughs> so it's not like there's a shortage of journals or whatever on the market these days. So as far as the niche of handmade journals, what like what's the benefit of a handmade journal as opposed to a mass-produced journal that's on the market today? 
part of it is the love and the care that goes into the making of it. Like I have sitting on my desk next to me, one of Johnny's journals. And what I love about that is that he made it for me. He went out of his way to send it to me. Even when I buy a journal like that, there are these quirks that each person has as they're binding things that you pick up mm -hmm. and learn as you learn how to bind. And that's all visible in this. So I think that's part of it. And when I make them for myself, and I, I make a lot for myself, I get to choose the paper that's in it. I get to choose what's on the cover. I can, to me, they're not precious because I make them all the time. And so eliminating the preciousness allows me to fill them up. It doesn't make me think, this is so precious, I don't want to, I don't want to fill it. Although with the one that Johnny sent me, I kind of feel like it's precious. Like I'm like, <laughs> oh, do I really want to fill that? Johnny sent that to me. I'll make um, you do one. And I, I say the exact same thing. So I made a, a just a really simple little journal for a coworker, and she's I don't I don't I don't want to fill it up. And I, and I said the exact same thing. I was like, I'll just make you another one, or I'll sit and show you how to make your own. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she got started <laughs> in it. So. <laughs> What about you, Johnny? Like I would chime in on the materials part because being a vegetarian, if I want a wrap journal or a certain aesthetic mm -hmm. and I don't do leather, I'm screwed. But so I use some cork leather and synthetic leather and try to make that sort of like old fashioned aesthetic a little bit, but it's not full of an animal if you're not into using books made of animals. Mm -hmm. No judgment. And that cork leather is really fun to work with it's cool i like it but yeah like it's beautiful too they i like the whole like i've made some hardback books that are just this really weird size that just feels so good to me but i have never seen them in a store that way because it's a really stupid size it's yeah not a5 not a6 it's weird it's actually kind of hard to write in but i really like it <laughs> so the whole you know, getting exactly what you want is great plus if if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a stack of notebooks. Mine costs like five bucks and 20 hours of my time. So mine were cheaper. Both of you, what was it that got you started in, or like, like what planted the seed for you to make your own notebooks? So you've talked about how you use your own notebooks or you make notebooks for yourself to use. And both of you also make notebooks that you make available to others. So what got you interested in bookbinding and, and like, what was your starting point? Where did things begin hmm. for you? So for me, I started out with a, I took a workshop in my undergrad. It was just one of those three hour workshops that was after classes kind of thing. And they did a demo on bookbinding and we were able to make our own books. And so that got me hooked in the idea of using books in the process of making art. So that's where I started. And then after I graduated, I realized that sketchbooks with nice paper are really super freaking expensive. And at the time, this was the late 90s, getting sketchbooks with 140 pound paper was not possible. They, ju they just weren't made. Nowadays, we have Stillman and Burn that actually does put 140 pound paper into sketchbooks. And there might be a few others, but your, your other option was picking up a wire wire bound sketchbook with 80 pound paper. And I really wanted that 140 pound paper in there. So that's where I started was with putting watercolor paper, like some nice arches into a sketchbook. And that's what has kept me going. What about you, Johnny? I don't know. I've like, it's something I've always wanted to do, 
but it seemed maybe not esoteric. I'm not very handy and I tend to cut myself with things and spill things a lot. So it didn't seem like something I should mess with. But then the pandemic happened and everything changed. So I was reading Carrie Smith's book, The Wander Society. And she mentioned that Walt Whitman would make his own notebooks to carry and had some instructions for pamphlet stitch. And I, I just got a bug in my butt to make 50 of them and just started giving them away and sending them to people. And then I took a break because fountain pens. And then I think it's the summer. I was like, damn it, I'm going to learn to make notebooks again. So then that's a, it's such a rabbit hole that one thing mm. leads to another. And then you have enough paper that your apartment is a fire hazard. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm Johnny, I'm curious about those, the notebooks that you made sparked from the sort of Walt Whitman inspiration. Like, which ones were those? I, did, do I have some of those here? I, I'd never heard you. Probably. They were really small, and I only had black thread at the time. And it wasn't okay. bookbinding thread. <laughs> okay. So it was like, I'm just curious. like yeah. May 2020-ish, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Okay. If not, I have... They're laying all over my apartment. I'll send you something. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just... There are a lot of, like, just... maps involved. <laughs> Yeah, okay. That is interesting. Okay, there are lots of ways to make a notebook. There's lots of binding methods that we've talked about over the years on the podcast. But if you're, at this point, if you're making them yourselves, what is your your favorite binding method? And, and if you could, and maybe if you could explain like a couple of the ones that you use and explain to the listeners like what they involve, like what goes into that kind of binding method and which one is your favorite and less you jump in and go first. Sure. This is a hard question because I have a favorite single sheet note, <laughs> uh, folded book. I have a favorite single sig- signature style book. I have favorite like Coptic binding. Let's start with a single sheet. I really love single sheet books. You start with a 22 by 30 inch sheet of paper and then just with simple folds and a little cut. You can make it super simple and it's always amazing when you do it. I do this. I've done these books. I've taught kindergartners to make them and I've caught, I've taught 94 year old ladies at a senior center how to make them. And they're always a crowd favorite. And what I really like about them is that you can do it with any size of paper. So You can do it with an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, or like I said, a 22 by 30 sheet of paper to make a larger book. And then what's really cool about that is that you can use that and lay it out and then you can make multiple copies. It makes a great zine. You can like, so I'm going to have kids in my class make one on a 20 by 36 inch piece of paper, fold it up and make a giant letterpress zine or chapbook. I know, dudes, like having access to these big letterpress machines, I'm like, ooh, I have ideas. I have so many ideas. And it's actually really invigorating and awesome to watch the kids do it too. Like they're just so creative. But anyway, so that's my favorite. And so the single sheet book that I like the most kind of looks like a long pair of pants when you first cut it. And when you fold it up, you can actually extend it out on a table and it looks like a sculpture. So that's my favorite single sheet. And I'm a big fan of a figure eight stitch. So it's sort of a modified 
pamphlet stitch, but instead of only three holes, it has five. So there's a little figure eight at each end. And then when you tie it together, it's just a smidge sturdier than the traditional pamphlet stitch. And then in terms of like multiple st- signature books, that's way too long a conversation for a <laughs> podcast. We could just talk about, okay, let's talk about two signature books, three signature books, four <laughs> signature books, all the way up to 400 page books that have 15 to 20 signatures. <laughs> and I have I, like, I love a good Coptic stitch. So that have visible weaving on the spine. And there are a couple of them, and I'm forgetting the names that I really like, but Keith A. Smith, we're going to talk about like books later. Keith A. Smith has a exposed spine book that is just, it has glorious, beautiful stitches in there. And if anyone is looking to learn how to do Coptic stitches, that mm. book's amazing. And I could Probably. I have them lined up like a series of Bibles on my shelf (laughs) and they're all tabbed up and so I can get to those instructions super quick. But yeah. Anyway, what about you, Johnny? What are your favorite? Lately, I like ones that have the uh, binding exposed because Mm. since I'm new, I don't want to get in the habit of hiding my mistakes. So if I'm like, that was a little crooked. There it is. That's fun. And also I like playing with the... um, different colors of thread Mm. but my favorite things to do now are make wrap journals which are long stitch and have that everything is exposed just one long piece of thread like a coptic stitch but less tying and more poking Mm. and my recycled library books are essentially that but i put a tape binding in there that sometimes i reinforce depending what kind of shape the cover's in um but they're that's a relaxing style of binding to do. And if you sell them on your Etsy shop, then you tend to look at what other people are doing. And there's a lot of leather wrap journal going on and a lot of Coptic stitch and a lot of paper marbling. Yep. So I don't want to not do it on purpose, but I'm trying to not just make what everybody else is making. But case bound stuff is fun. But then you're like, you could have bought this at Barnes and Noble. Like they don't sell long stitch books there at least not that i'm aware of so yeah they they buy imported long stitch from usually italy the paper's terrible oh what are we talking about yeah i like i i sometimes make an experiment to see like how much paper i can fit into a a long stitch wrap book Mm. so i'm up to 440 and i can do it constantly and not mess it up yeah. We call it the fatty 440 because I'm bad at math. And first it was the fatty 500. I'm like, wait, that's not 500 pages. <laughs> so yeah. there are, you can't make a 500 page book. But yeah, that's so definitely different versions of long stitch I like a lot. It's challenging. Nice. Yeah. I So, like, there all these different types you guys, you, you've been talking about. How do you decide which one to? make which one to go with is it purely based on your own preferences or are you guys thinking through what sort of type of user or do you have an audience in mind for the kinds of things you're creating it depends back in the day i used to take custom orders and so sometimes people would ask me to work into the spine like an initial or a shape i did a 400 and some odd page book for someone that had a like not a half moon but like a sliver of a moon and then sometimes people would want the 
top sort of exposed long stitch to be curved. So like I did a lot of stuff like that that was based off of what people would want. I don't do custom books, so please don't email me asking me to make you a book. I just, I don't, I make some books. I don't make as many books as I used to. I have early stages of arthritis in my wrists and I can do a few books here and there, but I can't do 400 page books because my right hand will be a claw at the end of the night. So now what I do is I focus on, I only do books now up to four signatures and usually with really heavyweight paper. And I'm generally giving these as gifts. So like my coworkers, if I know that they need a sketchbook, I'll make them a sketchbook. I make a lot of sketchbooks for myself and notebooks for myself. And I do pocket notebooks still. And I do some saddle stitch, which is fancy name for a staple. So I do, I do still do pocket notebooks that are stapled because that doesn't bother my wrists. I can go back and forth with my right and left hand with the stapler, which I just can't do when I'm stitching. So yeah, it's one of those, it's really hard on your wrists and, and your back binding books unless you have. So sometimes you'll go into a print shop or a place and they'll have a, a table that's elevated. And then oh, so nice. that, yeah. So I actually, in the current print shop, I will just drop down into, we've got these two different sizes of stools. We've got, they're meant for kindergartners, but I'll sit in a <laughs> kindergartner chair so that the table is around my shoulder height. And it's, that's actually a lot easier on my back. So I'm not hunched over all the time. And I try and get the kids to to sit like that. And they're like, yeah, no, I don't want to sit in a kindergartner chair. <laughs> I can't blame them. It does look a little foolish, but yeah. So it, it like it, the answer for me is always, it depends. What about you, Johnny? So I've been doing a, some custom books, which is cool because folks have requested colors. I would never have thought of pink metallic fake leather, which looked like really cool. And once you did it, like looking at it, I'm like, this is going to be, a little Hello Kitty-ish for a grown-up. but mm -hmm. So some stuff like that, but a lot of it's, do I like this? Would I use this book? And that I think that speaks toward the materials, like the paper, and like I said before, the fake leather stuff. But the other thing is I think of somebody who would have a book that they keep for a long time and work on for a long time. I just made a travel book for my aunt because she travels a lot and she always brings me back pencils from wherever she goes. and um, like I have a travel book that I keep when I travel and when I used to travel and it's a couple of years old. It's got a lot of trips in it. And I just, I like the idea of picking up a book and it's got so much of your life in it. Yeah. So books with tons of paper, I tend to think of someone who's going to just like beat the hell out of a book and keep it for a while. So I try to go with durability over fanciness and just make them as carefully as I can. But yeah, I think like someone who's going to actually use it. Yeah, I think in terms of design, the, the thing that I'm getting into now is putting my own artwork onto the covers of my pocket notebooks. Because so when I started doing no brand notebooks, the whole thing with it was that there was no brand on it anywhere <laughs> in tiny little font in the back of the book. You found my my website address and that was pretty much it. And the joke was that no brand notebooks is the brand. So I've started carving up some of my own designs in that actually the 
Innove Art, Red Rubber, the Echo block that I picked up. So I started carving up blocks and the intent for those is that they're going to go on notebook covers. So I'm hoping to get some of those printed up relatively soon and just have some fun with it and just make some pocket notebooks with fun designs on the cover. I made a front cover label that says pocket notebook on it that looks kind of like the front label on a composition notebook kind of riffing on that, my love of composition notebooks. (laughs) I made a block that looks like a coffee cup. So I've got a color, like, so I can do different colors of coffee mugs. And then it's got a black outline for it, which I think is pretty cool. I'm going to play around with doing some letterpress on the covers and see what they look like. But that's, I think, what I'm going to start doing. Can you recommend some sources for our listeners to check out if they want to get into making their own notebooks? I know, like, personally, I have been interested. I've got, like, a what do you call it? A a binding stapler. And I've been interested in the idea of making my own like pocket notebooks to use. So what resources do you have for people who are interested in in making their own notebooks? Sure. So I would, it depends on what kind of notebooks you want to make. If you want to make stapled notebooks, then a long reach stapler, a good one, don't cheap out. Spend some money on a good long reach stapler. I don't know if I cheaped out. Did I cheap out? I don't know. It, it, well. Swing line? Is that that's a good one. So the other like thing is in terms of the staplers, they're not going to last forever either. They wear out, which is very frustrating when you're in the middle of an edition of a zine. Just take it from me. It's a pisser and use good staples. That's another thing. Spend yeah. some money on quality staples because they will make your life so much easier. Just get good steel staples even if like Swingline mates some pretty decent staples even like their painted versions some of them are pretty good i've had some problems with some of the colors flaking i did i bought some gloriously beautiful teal Swingline staples no one got te- teal staples they just got silver staples because <laughs> the teal just flaked right right the heck off but then i've gotten their standard red, blue, green package of staples, and all of those stayed on. I had, I've had great luck with that. You can also, if you get just plain s- silver staples, you can take a Sharpie and color the entire top, and it'll stick for a while. It'll wear off eventually as people handle the, handle the books, but if you're looking for a pop of color, mm-hmm. going over the top of it with a Sharpie works pretty If you want to do stitched books, Elisa Golden's books on making books are excellent her i find her instructions are really easy to understand they're so clear all of her books have really great photography her she also runs a a blog that she updates pretty frequently that's less about making books now and she does a lot of fiber arts but she does a lot of printing of things and she also shows little short animated videos of the books that she's made in the past which is a lot of fun to kind of she narrates them as she's flipping through them, which is really nice. And then Esther K. Smith, I can't remember the name of her book. And I think I, oh, I took it called, to work. It's called How to Make Books because you recommended oh. that to me. That's my yeah. favorite. Uh, I took it to work, so it's not on my shelf. So I, I couldn't remember what it was called. That's a really nice, clear one with drawn illustrations on how to make the books, plus some photos. And then Gwen Dine, she has... Her books are mainly about journaling, but she includes a lot of book binding and she does have a couple of books that are about the binding. And those are all relatively simple beginner books. Some of Gwen Dine's books are higher level. So you might want to start with one of her easier books or the Alyssa Golden book. And then if you want to get 
real deep and super nerdy into bookbinding, Keith A. Smith's books are phenomenal. They are all two inches thick. He is left-handed. He designed all of his directions with lefties in mind. And he basically, in the forward to one of his books, was like, listen, I've had to decipher right-handed directions my entire life. You can live with these <laughs> books being lefty. And I actually find his instructions very easy to understand. Also, for a source of inspiration for all things creative, I would point to our friend Les, who is like the freaking powerhouse yeah. of everything. Why don't we button this episode up? And Les, can right. you tell folks where to find you as if they don't are probably already know? But Sure. You can find me at ComfortableShoesStudio.com, the RSVP Stationary Podcast.com, Instagram and Twitter at Original LC Harper. And I've given up Facebook. So on to you. Good for you. How about you, Tim? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Wassum and I'm on Instagram at Timothy Wassum. That's it. Awesome. And I'm Johnny. You can find me at pencilrevolution.com, um, on social media at Pensolution, and on Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash surprise pencil revolution. And you can find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash erasable. Our official Facebook page is erasable.com, or I'm sorry, facebook.com slash erasable podcast. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at erasable podcast. We also have a Patreon, which you can use to support our content at patreon.com slash erasable. Folks who support us at the $10 a month level are producers officially, and we read your names at the end of every episode. And speaking of which, in no particular order, here are the producers of Erasable currently. Andrew Austin, Tara Whittle, Ida Furs, David Johnson, Phil Munson, Nathan Raybeck, Donnie Pierce, Bill Black, Miriam Bokout, Diana Oakley, Tom Keekley, Andre Torres, Kyle, Paul Moorhead, Ali Sarah, Jamelia, Stephen Fransali, Aaron Willard, Karen Peabody, Millie Blackwell, Chris L., Hunter McCain, Jocelyn R. Myers, Tana Feliz, Ann Sipe, Joe Crace, Measure Twice, Michael Hagen, Chris Metzkis, Bill Clough, Random Thinks, Jason Dill, David McDonald, Mary Collis, Alex Jonathan Brown, Andre Prevost, Kathleen Rogers, Bobby Letzinger, Fourth Letter, Kelton Weens, Scott Hayes, Hans Noodleman, Jay Newton, Dave Tubman, and John Wood. Thank you for your support, and thank you to everyone for listening, and we'll see you, quote-unquote, in two weeks. Bye-bye. Turn it off.